Hello and welcome to episode number 45 of the Bay to Bay podcast. I'm your host, Seb Fry, and for this episode of the podcast, I'm very excited to have Dan Chan, the Magic Man, as my guest. Dan is also known as the Billionaire's Magician because he has a lot of really high-profile clientele. And we can't tell you who exactly they are because it's all under NDA, but let's just say it's a bunch of Silicon Valley noteworthies. Dan has performed all throughout the greater San Francisco Bay Area and internationally as well. Um, and it's a pretty interesting story that he has. You know, Before he got into uh, being a magician, he worked at PayPal. He worked at a startup company. And after a little more than a year of that, he said, you know what? This isn't me. I want to be a magician. And so he decided just to follow his passion. And here we are like 17, 18 years later since he quit PayPal. He now is very, very successful as an independent solo entrepreneur in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. I shouldn't really say he's a solo entrepreneur because actually it's a family operation. Uh, his wife and both of his kids work with him as well. Um, he's doing a tremendous job and it's very exciting to see somebody doing what they love and being very successful at it here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and listen to what Dan Chan has to say. All right. Hey, Dan, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. It's really sunny out here in Fremont, California. Fremont, California. Love it. Got some family who live in Fremont. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to appear on the Beta Bay podcast. I know you're really busy. I'm kind of grabbing you between um, appointments that you have today. So thank you so much for being available. Uh, thank you for having me. All right. So, you know, Dan, I like to begin my podcast by having my guests tell me a little story about themselves. Just kind of like help us get a feel for who you are and what you're about. So do you have a story you can share with us? Yeah, uh, I tell it in my dinner show quite often. I love telling stories. Um, one person that I really look up to, he said, he who tells the best story in life wins. So I've been practicing my storytelling. Um, on my way back from, I believe, Lodi, California, I got put over by a police officer. I was dressed up pretty immaculately. He, in fact, asked me if I was coming from a wedding because of the way I was dressed. I said, no, I had a long day of shows and I'm a magician, and I'm trying to get home as quickly as possible. It's been a rough day. And he said uh, to me, show me one good magic trick, and I'll let you go. True story. I pulled out $1 bills. I changed them into $500 bills, and he let me go. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> wow. Well, you really are a magician. Yep. And that's the way you can save hundreds of dollars, and you don't even have to switch to Geico. <laughs> well, that is a neat trick, but I won't ask you to tell me how you do it because I know we're never supposed to know. So, um, so Dan, you're a you're a, a performing magician in Silicon Valley, but you didn't always used to be a, uh, a magician. So, I, I guess you were working before I uh, kept PayPal, or what's 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 your story there? Yeah, I worked 13 months at PayPal. I vested my op stock options for 13 months. I could have stayed for four years, but I would in the part time play a little bit of hooky, sick days used for going to pretty plush gigs, and I made more money on the weekends than I did working a full 40-hour week, so I decided to jump ship. And I was working alongside guys like Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, Ken Howery, David Sachs, and a lot of it has actually come full circle because I've ended up performing for quite a few of Silicon Valley's elite, 
quite often I'm not even allowed to talk about who I'm performing for. I can say what companies they're from, but uh, I have non-disclosures for some of them. Wow. So those are some pretty big names you just dropped there. When you said you worked alongside of them, did that mean like you actually were like physically present with them in the same room, like working on stuff? or? Well, I saw them in the hallways, and I worked, first of all, in customer service at PayPal. Then I transferred over to finance. But they didn't really have a uh, – there wasn't a lot of mentorship in PayPal in the early days. They were just moving so fast. So there was a lot of acquisitions, from the acquisitions from PayPal and X.com to the acquisition to eBay. So the, All right. things were moving really fast. So this is quite some time ago. So how, what, what year were you working at PayPal, or what years? I worked one week in the Palo Alto University offices, and then immediately afterwards, like a couple of days, we moved to Embarcadero. And I, we just moved right into the new Embarcadero offices, and I was there for 13 months. So we had ping pong and all that stuff. It was just like the IPO.com days. It was um, breakfast, lunch, and dinners sometimes there, but definitely lunch. They provided lunch, and it was the typical startup. Right. I worked at a startup one time too, a uh, long, long time ago. What year was this that you were doing that at PayPal were you, when you were in Embarcadero? It was early 2000s. I think it was around 2001, I believe. I have to check 2001. So wow. So in 2001, you bailed on the high-tech business and jumped into being a magician. Is that right? But I'm guessing that you probably didn't just jump into being a, musician, a magician. You probably were doing magic for years? Or what's your, what's your involvement in the, with magic? How long have you been doing that for? Probably two years prior, but I was doing it part-time, mainly hustling kids' birthday parties. There would be occasional company picnics, but it was mainly kids' birthday parties then quickly into schools and libraries because that's where you gained a lot of traction because when you're performing at a school, there's two, 300 people watching you. At a kids' birthday party, you're, you're reaching 25 people. Right. So let me get this straight. So like you, you're a magician for two years doing like kids' birthday parties in schools, you get a great job at PayPal, and then uh, like a year later, basically, you're like, now nah, I'm going to blow this off and become a full-time magician. Is that, do I have that right? Yeah, pretty much that was it. My mom hated it. She hated the idea. She would not let me quit. But like, I, was, I knew that they were going to go through a round of layoffs. They were moving things to Omaha, Nebraska for a call center, and they were also moving things to India afterwards as well. So I kind of knew that. I could kind of read the writing on the wall, but at the same time, I wasn't really proactive on staying with it because I knew I could have done more to make myself more useful. But that would involve what a lot of the other people were doing, like 60-hour weeks. And I did not want to – 40 hours, maybe a little bit more than that was enough for me. Uh, it, it was – I wanted to uh, – the, the only thing that kept me there were the free lunches and the video games. I think they had one or two <laughs> video games, a ping-pong table, and your – standard things, and I would be like, when's my break? <laughs> Let me go over there. Oh, right, right. So how old were you when you bailed on PayPal? Uh, early 20s, I think. I'm 42 early. now. You're 42 now. All right, because so, you've been doing this now, so that's like, what, like 18 years? So, uh, yeah, you're like 24 or whatever when you decided to, to bail on PayPal. That's pretty audacious you know i think that a lot of 24 year olds you know i mean like back then back in 2001 certainly everyone was looking at you know working as a tech startup as kind of like you know like the the gravy train right like the golden ticket but you you took a different path completely radically different path i imagine that your 
mom, you said, well, your mom wasn't happy about it. I mean, like, <laughs> what did she say to you? Did you say, are you crazy? What are you thinking? I mean, what was, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, I kind of made a deal and I said, yeah, I'm not going to ask you for money. I'm, I'm just going to do my own thing. And I had a runway. I was living at home, which was one of the most fortunate things you, you can do if you're an entrepreneur. That means I was pretty much cash flow positive. I had to pay for food, just chip in a little bit for rent, not a lot. And that, those years made it possible for me to reinvest heavily into my business. I would go to magic conventions. I would go to magic lectures, buy a ton of magic DVDs and books. And that's what really got me ahead of my competition. Oh, wow. That is uh, super cool. So you, you bail on PayPal and you start doing uh, magic shows. Now, did you have to like take like odd jobs on the side in order to like make ends meet? Or was it just PayPal and then magician and nothing in between? Pretty much nothing in between because when you're hustling a kid's party, you're, you're making like $200, $250 each hour you're there, usually doing an hour, an hour and a half package. And that was kind of like on the, on, the, on the low end. I was very conservative. But for me, that was really good money because you run the numbers, $200 a show about, just give or take. Multiply that by five because I'd probably do two or three on Saturday, one on Sunday, uh, two, maybe two on Sunday. So you're talking about five shows just on the weekends. So you, I'd be going to PayPal. At the same time when I was doing PayPal, I was still doing the same grind. So it was exhausting because I was working seven days a week. Right, right. Okay. So, uh, so you're making pretty good money uh, uh, back then even. That was like you're talking – you're making that money back in 2001, 2002. So uh, there's been a lot of uh, inflation that I imagine that you're probably – uh, charging a lot more now for a uh, magic show today in 2019 versus 2001. Do I have that correct? Or what does the magic show go for normally these days? Well, it's very negotiable. It's In the beginning, it's all about market share, getting your foot in the door, pricing yourself so it's affordable. Or whenever things are slow, you just adjust your rates because there's no there's no overhead. So like tomorrow, I'm working for Netflix. Uh, I've worked for, I'm going to work for Facebook coming up, but Google has hired me 25 plus times. Really? Wow. So Google has you, I mean, what, do they have you out there in the quad, like doing like parlor tricks at lunchtime or like what kind of events does Google and Netflix have you actually do that? Like company meetings and they say, here goes Dan, the, the magician coming out here before the company meeting or what's, what, what is that all about? Um, a lot of holiday parties. Sometimes it's team building. When you're working for a corporation so many times, you have to come up with new things. You have to propose to them, hey, I've got 50% new tricks. I've got a new team building workshop. I've got a balloon twisting workshop that I run with my wife. I've got, I'll teach your folks how to juggle. So you're just pitching them and saying, hey, I got something new. And you're coming up with new ideas. And a lot of times they, they buy it because they're always trying to do something. Every quarter they need to do something. Wow. So now that, that really um, interests me. So like, how does one get their first job at Google doing magic? I mean, do they reach out to you or is there like an apartment at Google where like, hey, I want to register to be like an entertainer or how did that first happen with Google? I think they have an internal uh, preferred vendor list. I'm not really sure how I ended up on it. It was so long ago. But one thing I started doing recently, uh, maybe three or four years ago, was buying one share of stock in every single company that's followed me, which is kind of intriguing because if you look at my client list, I've worked for Airbnb, I've worked for um, Bank of America, Intel, Oracle, IBM, Wells Fargo, um, it, Merrill Lynch, every single company 
I've systematically checked them off. There's only like three companies on my list that I've wanted to work for that I have not worked for. I've never worked for Tesla. I've never worked for Lyft, although they've asked me. And uh, SpaceX called me to entertain for them. However, I overquoted because the event was in Hawthorne, California, and I already knew I had a lot of demand in the Bay Area, but I did not realize that it was very likely for a SpaceX SpaceX launch the same day because I go back in my calendar and I see something about the SpaceX launch and I'm like, hey, dude, they caught me two or three months ago. <laughs> I look at my calendar and the date she asked about was the reference date that I was watching the launch on, on like the internet. I was like, oh, crap. I, I should not. I, I would have done that gig for free. So I, sometimes these parties are so <laughs> epic. Uh, I've done parties for the 11th employee of Google, who now works at Twitter. Uh, I've worked parties for Tim Ferriss. Uh, George Lucas had me at his ranch. This was early in the day, so George Lucas, I just really, really did some really bad juggling for him. <laughs> but I can say that I performed for him. John Madden had me entertain for his son's grandson's. A birthday party in I think a house in Livermore or someplace like that and and the funny story with John Madden was I did not know anything about sports so I thought he was a young athletic guy <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't realize he was an influencer because I do not follow sports so I, I asked the lady by any chances uh, are you related to John Madden and this is after the show so she's like, would you like me to introduce you? He's sitting right there in front of you. And I've been in, he was right in front of me for the last hour. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, that's pretty cool. So you mentioned SpaceX in Hawthorne. And so you said you didn't want to go down there. Do you not travel very much? Are you mostly in the Bay Area? Or do you ever go to like Paris or New York or anything like that? So upcoming, I'm going to do two events in Vegas. Um, for a uh, one is a company called Bomag, another is a private party. Uh, I've been to Japan four times. Um, I've done Extapa Club Med, which is more like a trade, but I, I, at least I still got to do that. Um, they they put me up for an entire week. I paid my own airfare, but then they gave housing, accommodations, and food for the entire week at Club Med, which was kind of cool. No, oh, nice, nice. Um, yeah. So these kind of events that you're doing, um, you know, uh, wh what are they like? I mean, are, they, are, are you basically doing like, uh, like private parties or do you ever do like show shows like in a theater kind of thing? Yeah, that's my next step is more theater shows and having a dedicated venue. I've been doing pop-ups. You can check out the Bay Area Dinner Show, actually BayAreaDinnerShow.com uh, without the, but BayAreaDinnerShow.com. Um, right. You can see a little bit of what I'm doing. Um, a large percentage of what I was doing was birthday parties, but that's transitioned into just high-end corporate events. So I'm, I work with some of the biggest and best agents in the Bay Area who send me out to boat cruises, uh, over-the-top parties um, for a lot of uh, very famous and influential executives. Okay. All right. So um, what kind of – I mean – it's just magic is such like a niche uh, occupation, right? I mean, like there are only so many well-known magicians. You know, I've seen Penn and Teller in Vegas. I didn't really think that was amazing. But then I saw David Copperfield in Las Vegas, which I did think was amazing. What, uh, what magicians really inspire you? Um, 
it used to be the guys that you saw more often, but there are, there's a lecture circuit where you can learn magic. And there's also things like penguin magic, uh, which incidentally, I am going to be a published magician where I, my, my effects are going to be on sale on penguin magic very soon. So I've come up with some original effects. And that took a lot of work in order to come up with the original effects. And I'm really proud of that because the first 10 years, you're doing everyone else's material. Then you start thinking about who you are as a performer. What defines me as a performer, uh, one of the big selling points is I do a lot of smartphone magic and stuff with tech. Right. Well, that's very appropriate given, uh, given where you uh, live. So uh, I forgot to ask, are you like from the Bay Area or like what's your, what's your background? Did you grow up here or? Born and raised in San Francisco. I, I went to school at UC Riverside, studied business administration. And then um, I came back home, and I had a couple odd jobs before PayPal, before I got into magic. But I was a sailing and windsurfing instructor. I worked at uh, Santa Monica YMCA Camp Big Bear, Campus by the Sea on Catalina Island, and Goat Arrow Camp. And those are some of the fun jobs. But I have several other fun jobs. So I always believe in having fun when you're working. Right. Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. And then it doesn't really seem so much like work. So you're a San Francisco kid, born and raised. I'm from Berkeley, uh, but I was in San Francisco quite a bit as a child because I was in the San Francisco Boys Chorus. So I spent like two or three days a week in San Francisco for like, I don't know, four or five years. So, um, but back to the magicians. So like, what about Copperfield? What do you think about David Copperfield? Is he any good or Penn and Teller? What's your, what's your opinion of those guys? They're good in what they do. However, I think Copperfield, it's been said from a lot of guys that he looks like he's bored on stage because he's doing the same thing. And that's why my show in San Francisco is improvisational. I know the first, start I, the first trick I'm going to start with, and I know the last trick I'm going to end with. Everything in between is improvised. I have four and a half hours worth of material to choose from, but I talk to everyone before the show. I ask them who they've seen, what they've done, what they remember in magic. And I try to custom tailor. It's kind of like a chef's menu for magic. And it's the only show in the world where the magician himself doesn't know what he's going to do exactly. <laughs> and and that's right. kind of risky. But with the amount of experience, I've done 250 shows a year, probably over 5,000 live shows. So that's not something a beginner can do that, and still execute on a, on a high level. And I believe I really do a really great job because I've had people come from an hour or two away just to drive to the show, doing nothing else in the city, and, and come. So I would love to give you a comp ticket just to come see my show and see what it's all about. Oh, I'd love to. You know, I, I really love magic shows. I mean, I, I'm not a magician. I don't know nothing about it, really. But it certainly is really entertaining. Uh, you know, David Copperfield, he maybe did seem kind of bored, and I get it. It's like a big Vegas show, right? I mean, like, how exciting can it be? Uh, but nevertheless, it was uh, fairly impressive to uh, my small mind. So um, how have you, how has your show evolved over the years? I mean, you, you talk about iPhone or, or uh, mobile phone, you know, magic tricks. Like, is that like a new thing you've been doing? Or did you start out that way? Or what kind of tricks do you do on an iPhone? Uh, I'm not going to give that away. You're going to have to come see the show. Oh, I have to come see the show. I, I oh, I like that. 
I do things with Facebook. I do things with Instagram. In fact, I have 25 different things done with smartphones, and I don't do all of it in my show. The show's constantly evolving really quickly as well. So what I can tell you is it's an improvisational, a little bit of comedy, but a lot of storytelling. Like the storytelling of how I got out of the ticket, I'll say that in my dinner show. However, I'll also do the trick for you. I'll talk about how I conned the hustlers of the guys who came into Super Bowl 50. Those guys were street hustlers, uh, the guys who were playing the three shell game. And I tell stories, and all these stories are real. There's only one story that I have not been able to integrate into the show, and there's only one lie in my story, uh, um, show, and I would love for you to guess which one it is. And I, I do tell people at the end of the show because I love for them to retell all, some of the stories because these are quite engaging stories. Right, right. Well, you, you want to have people talking about the show after the show, right? I mean, like, that's really important. Word of mouth probably has been, you know, critical to your success, I would imagine, right? Absolutely. Yeah, right. So you want to, well, you want to make sure they're talking, you know. And uh, speaking of talking, you know, I was watching, uh, like, America's Got Talent, um, I don't know, probably two or three months ago now, and there was some amazing uh, magician uh, on, uh, on AGT, um, so, like, what makes you different than these guys who I see, like, you know, trying out uh, on these kind of talent shows? In the beginning, I wasn't very different from them. But what made me different was the evolution of tech into my uh, close-up routines and also some of the variations. I've added some things that in the beginning were really minor, but over time changed vastly differentiated myself. Like, for example, there's an effect where everyone's surrounded at the end of my show. I get everyone to stand up. It's, they think the show's over, and I say, would you like to see one more trick? And I do this thing where the card keeps on jumping to the top of the deck. Then it jumps all the way across the room into my son's mouth, and it's a spectator's signed card, and it's done in real time. And then afterwards, I get the card back, they're burning my hands. Literally, you're seeing everything, yet you're seeing nothing. And the card ends up inside my wallet, inside a zippered compartment. The spectator unzips the zippered compartment, and they pull out their own card with their own fingers. Wow. Wow. That, that's the kind of stuff that just blows my mind. I mean, like, I... Uh, I, I don't even want to know how it happens because then it would just like ruin it probably for me. Um, so, you know, Dan, I'm here, I'm looking at your website and, uh, you know, it's a very cool website. By the way, it's uh, danchanmagic.com in case anybody wants to go and uh, look that up. I will also have that in the show notes as well. Um, but I know that you have some really um, amazing um, clients that you've worked for. Like, you know, like I myself would love to be able to sell these guys' houses, but I just don't walk in these kind of circles. How, how do you go from getting from like doing like kids birthday parties to like working for like these major you know billionaires and celebrities how, how does that happen how do you get there in the beginning it was more like gimmicks it would be like i juggle fire i'm one of the few people who juggle fire that does magic and that's also pretty sophisticated in terms of i'm not like your typical clown i can fit into your party and i also have that tech background because when i'm not um, doing magic, I am reading all about tech. I'm very well aware of what's happening in the tech scene. So afterwards, it's very natural for people to be like, oh, you, whoa, you're the magician when I'm at a trade show. 
they think I'm actually a representative of a company. I blend in so well because I do some research. And I throw in some taglines. So it's a border between um, fantasy and reality. They don't know if I'm a magician full-time or if I'm a trade show representative. So that's where you end up you know, stand, finding that niche. That's what, I, what really made me stand out. Right. So you're like the basically the, the geek magician essentially and that you sort of like resonate with those, you know, people and they basically see something in you that says, yeah, this is the kind of guy I want at my event. Is that, do I have that essentially right? Absolutely. And it doesn't have to hurt to have some real technical magic skill. Like the fire juggling was something that I used a lot in the beginning. Then the pickpocketing. I, I did a lot of pickpocketing. Now I do the iPhone tricks, hacking into people's iPhones, they see a lock, their phone is locked, and then I, I actually get past their unlocked screen. Oh, that, that's cool. So, the, the, yeah. There was don't, a video don't. Oh, go online. On. Of, it, there was a video online um, at BuzzFeed. I brought a, a BuzzFeed reporter uh, along to one or two of my parties. He saw what I did, and then the initial article was going to be on holiday parties, Silicon Valley. And then he loved it so much. He loved what I was doing. He had me come into the BuzzFeed art, uh, offices in San Francisco, and he filmed that one piece. It got 14,000 views in three days, and then now it's kind of puttered out to 19,000 views. But I'm trying to hopefully with some of your listeners here, they will push me over to, to 20,000 views on that one video. All right, very cool. I will put that in the show notes as well. And I think, Dan, you just said something really important, <laughs> which probably speaks volumes about how you've been able to like, reach uh, you know, this level of success so far. And I get the feeling like you're probably going to go like, way farther. And that is be really good at what you do, right? Like you're not like a hack, right? You're, you're, a, you're a consummate, trained, skilled professional. And that these people who you are working with are also consummate, skilled, trained professionals, and they recognize that in you as well. Is that you think that probably speaks a lot about why it is you've been able to land these kind of gigs? Yeah, uh, that is part of it. But in the beginning, you do suck. For the first 500 shows, <laughs> you are you're you're the cheapest option. But you have to always think about where you are in the value chain continue to add value, whether it's in the beginning it was singing happy birthday or being very accommodating. Now it's more, less is more when you get to the top of the food chain. I'm working way less, making way more money, but you've got to really stick with it. You, you, you would not believe the type of gigs I've done. I have dressed up like Dumbledore at some events. I've done, I dressed up like a clown. I've done a lot of things just to get my foot in the door. It didn't seem as easy as making 200 bucks. I would do anything for my client. When they would request something, I'd do it. But now, if you want me to do something like that, I charge a premium. I like to charge an insane amount of money, and, which makes – and if they can pay it, they're usually someone who's like a Google executive or someone – who's pretty influential. So I've got a lot of walk-away power now. And, and what, that's one thing you have to get is leverage and walk-away power. Right. Yeah, that's certainly going to uh, put a spring in your step uh, first thing out of bed in the morning, you know, having that at your back. And so I like what you just said there, too. You said there's a hustle and a grind, uh, you know, to get going. And I think that's certainly true in the real estate business and in and lots of solo entrepreneur businesses, right? You don't have a boss right? Like unless you get out and do it and crush it, you're not going to get anywhere. And also 
I love that you said that you basically, you know, you had to like, you had to screw up, right? I mean, like you had to make, you had to put on a lot of bad shows before you finally got to the ones where like you really started to, you know, to have that level of polish and skill and professionalism. Like it didn't just, you didn't always wake up that way. You had to work at it. You had to, you know, go through all of that to get to where you are today. And I think a lot of people, they're just afraid. They're afraid to like, what are they going to say if I go and I screw up this this show? How do you how do you deal with that? I mean, do you ever have like stage fright or the, like what happens when those thoughts enter your head or do they never enter your head? Well, on larger um, platforms where I'm performing for two thousand people, I've performed for halftime games and other things. I do very little. It's like a quick trick and then you're gone because you you want to do what you've done hundreds, if not thousands, of times for larger stages. With I always find it. You want to find small places where it's safe to fail. Like you sandwich in a new trick in between something that you know is going to work and something afterwards in case something doesn't work that you can recover from. And you've done so many effects. You've practiced. You kind of know what's going to go wrong. You kind of know where things aren't going to go right. So you factor that in. And I still street perform. It's not because – it's because of the fact that I want to – give someone on the street a gift of magic that they don't expect. But at the same time, it's a great place to hone my craft. I can have no risk. And if someone's paying me 500 or or $1,000 an hour for my services and I screw up, that's going to look pretty bad. So I'm not just making – when I say I'm making 500 an hour, that's for time on site. But there's also – other times when I am doing invoicing, contracting, marketing, uh, Facebook ads, Google ads, I'm doing a ton of things that are related to my success but don't add to the bottom line directly. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. They're like, oh, can you, can you do this for me? I've had a magician ask, hey, Dan, you're always on Facebook. Can you promote my show for me? I'm like, and, and they made that assumption just because uh, I promote it for them once or twice, but that was not my job, and that is part of the hustle. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I can uh, I can appreciate that. You know, back back before I became a realtor, I used to be like a techie. I was a coder and you know, database application developer, and uh, you know, I was charging like a hundred, hundred twenty-five bucks an hour back in like the late '90s, which was a lot of money for a kid who was like 25 back then. And people were like, "Wow, you should get paid a lot." Well, like, you only see my billable hours. You know, I mean, like, there's actually a lot of other hours that I'm putting in, which I don't charge anybody for. But you know, like, in order to be able to to command that kind of a premium. I really have to be good at what I do, and that involves a lot of stuff that you're never going to see that that goes into like part of uh, the service that I that I offer for you. So I I really appreciate that, right? I mean, like just for you to be available. I mean, like there's a certain amount of you know like you know money that's going to have to come to you. You know, otherwise you just can't offer what you offer, and that's all there is to it. Um, but listen, you mentioned a lot of like really you know like amazing companies and whatnot, and, and so you're talking about like holiday parties, like. What's like the most epic party or event that you've ever been a part of for, for one of your clients? I had a client fly me to Germany, and I did three riverboat cruises for them. They were like evening cruises where, where people don't stay in the boat, but it was pretty epic in the fact that I got to go to Germany. <laughs> so <laughs> it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the evening, and during the rest of the time I did the tourist thing. That was pretty epic. I worked for the U.S. Marine Corps in Japan four times. Um, for some reason, they preferred American passport-holding vendors, that I guess, to just bring them on base. So that was really uh, fun. 
um, another party I did for a Google executive, two years in a row he had a tiger in his backyard. And you can see that <laughs> on my Facebook page pinned. He had the zoo come to him. He also had penguins and lemurs and I think kangaroos and koala bears and eagles. And I took so many pictures. I literally had almost A to Z. I had one animal from A to Z from the alphabet on there. I, think. I was missing like two or three. Like he, it was an insane epic party. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, when I was in the boys chorus back then, they used to rent us out for some of these high parties too. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was a little kid. I was like, what, 11, 12, you know, and we were, we were hanging with some pretty posh crowds uh, over in San Francisco. Uh, and I haven't been to a party like that since. <laughs> it's been 40 years or whatever. So uh, right on. So now your wife, um, you know, I see a picture of you and your wife standing in front of like what looks like a Learjet. Or, oh, it's a, not a Learjet. It's a Phenom 100 jet. Uh, you and your wife, your wife is also part of the business or what does she do? She is a world-class balloon artist. She does some amazing uh, balloons. You can follow her on Instagram at Cat's Clever Creation, and I think it's with a um, K-A-T, and then C-L-E-V-E-R Creation. Um, she's done events for Pinterest. That big Pinterest um, logo took about eight hours, that balloon. She's done parade floats that took 20 hours, and she's even been flown out to Kansas City, Missouri, to install a balloon, that dragon that you see on one of the pages. Um, on that um, Facebook fan page, Cat's Clever Creations. She also performs on stage with me. I tie her up. We do this rope escape. We've done costume changes where the costumes rapidly change from one dress to another dress, which, is, which was very popular. We're doing that a lot less now just because of the amount of work it takes. The amount of setup is insane for to do execute on a five-minute act. So we're doing that a lot less. When people are paying the really big bucks, we'll pull that out. Right. Okay. So uh, now balloon art, you know, I've seen like a lot of balloon art, but I've never seen anything that took like 20 hours to put together. Did she go to school for that? Or like, how does one become like a balloon artist? And, and it, was she doing that before you met her or? I met her at a nightclub. She was working at Sharper Image in email marketing. And I, you know, those emails that they send you, she was yes. in charge of all those. I, I just met her at a nightclub called Shanghai 1930. And I was like, uh, she asked me, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a magician. And he says, no, really, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a magician. No, really, <laughs> what do you do for a living? I said, no, I'm a magician. Of course, show me a magic trick. I had her sign her name and phone number across the face of the card. Uh, and <laughs> That's clever. I like that one. <laughs> really? Wow. So, uh, the, I mean, was she already doing balloons at that time? Or did she see what fun you were having with it? And she said, wow, I want to do... I want to pursue my passion too, or how did the balloon thing come into it? Well, I was getting out of balloons, and I, ha I was way overbooked. I always had excess demand. I was priced very conservatively, so I'd always be fully booked. And I just said to her, hey, I got this event. It's, it's too good to be passed up. Why don't you do this? And then she started doing it. She did it for one or two years, and then I think by the second or third year, she got way better than me, like insanely better. It was like humiliating, like People would be like, uh, do, do you want me or your wife? Do you want me with the magic and the balloons? And I was like, um, let me just focus on the magic. And that was one of the best moves ever. Once I started letting my wife do the balloons, it freed me up to become a way better magician. I became so good at what I did. 
And then I stopped doing kids' parties, and I started getting building up my team and training people up from scratch. I have this wonderful gentleman on my team by the name of Colin Ricketts. He does most of my kids' parties. If, if you're like a – I've worked a couple – I've broken the rule because I told myself I'm not doing any more kids' parties. And um, I, I broke it a couple of times. I had one, two of the founders at Twitter hire me on separate occasions, and also one of the Google executives hire me recently. And, and when I was doing that, it was like usually about a thousand bucks or a little bit more for the kids party. But it's not, it's, I don't mind acting silly. I used to do that, but I, I kind of feel at 42 being this over the top, enthusiastic kids magician really doesn't fit my character or style. I still can pull that out of my grab bag, but I feel more at home being this you know, in my mind, I try to play this character. It's almost like a James Bond type character. Well, and I mean, I'm looking at your website. I mean, you're, you're very dapper. I mean, like you look like really sharp. I mean, this is, you're not like that. You don't have that look of a kid's musician. You look like a, you know, some guy who would be, you know, a knob hill or whatever. Yeah. And that's the image that I started cultivating. And it, I look at every little thing that I do from the website to the post, pictures I post on social media, and it's a very cultivated image. And that's how all my clients see the plethora of every, all, the number of events. If you see the amount that I post on my Facebook fan page and Instagram, you know that I'm doing three or four events a week, which is more than enough to keep busy especially to deliver the quality that I want to bring to my clients, especially if they're paying as much as they are, you want to make sure that you are really in the moment. Right, right. Okay, so you guys have kids or, you, or what? You have, you, have, you have a kid, right, or two kids? How many kids do you have? I have uh, my son, 11, my daughter, 10, James the Juggler, and Amazing Grace. James the Juggler and Amazing Grace. So, does James uh, are they do they are are they part of the show too, or sometimes, or how's that work? Uh, my son is doing a lot of kids shows by himself. I've kind of handed. It, I always try to book Colin out first, and if there's anything left over, uh, I, I book my son. And my daughter comes and she shadows me. She does um, the set works the sound system. She's get, becoming part of the show. My son is 11 years old. He juggles uh, three flaming torches five balls pretty consistently. He also uh, does math and memory stunts. He's insanely good. Like, I think he, <laughs> he was, uh, he's better than I was five years into it. And he, he's been doing it for over five years. He's been, doing, he's been learning how to juggle since age four, performing since age five, and he's been going to um, shows weekly for the first couple of years. And now he's going probably to three or four shows every week. So one of the cool stories I had was people asked me, how did you get your son to juggle from such a small age? And I'll tell you, it was a constant struggle for the first year. From age four to five, we fought. We both would end up in tears. Um, and he thanks me for it now. When he hits age five, we went to Union Square. My wife had a balloon twisting event for the SPCA outdoors just to give out free balloons. The SPCA hired my wife. My wife gives out free balloons for just to promote the SPCA for holidays. I tell my son to do his 15 minutes of juggling out on the, uh, pretty much on the street or the courtyard of Union Square, which a lot of tourists are coming by. I know he's going to get tipped, but I do not know how much. 
people start throwing him money and giving him a basket to put all the money in. And he's like very surprised. And he's like, Dad, they're giving me money. What do I do? I'm like, you're doing the job. You're making them very, very happy because they love what you're doing. I said, if you want to juggle more, you can juggle more. I think they're going to give you a lot more money. He just juggles for literally two and a half hours. He's like, I want to do this. And I, and I say to him, whatever you get, you get a keep. So if you're juggling, you get to keep all of it. And he made 120 bucks in like two hours. That's and a great story. I never had to argue with him again. Like I, we go into small arguments, but I said, this is for your future. This is what you can do if you want. And it's not about being on the street because I want you to be doing, you know, the kids parties starting off and the corporate events. And he's crashed with me. He's done things for men's warehouse. And eventually he's actually been paid by a lot of corporations just to come, come along, not just for take your kids to work day. He's doing like corporate events. Uh, where he's doing larger corporate events with me for grown-ups only. Wow, that's really that's really great. I mean, I'm a father too. My kids are eight and ten, and um, you know, I, I I try to get them involved in my business. I drag them to open houses and you know preview properties all the time. You know, but I don't think that's anywhere near as fun as uh, what you take your kids to, from the sounds of it. Yeah, uh, if you want. Bring your kids over. I'll teach them how to juggle. I have a magic book for, for them or some old magic stuff. You know, I, I've got so much magic stuff. I give, I give it away to a lot of friends. So it, it's great. It's great to be able to pass that on to the next generation, to find something that they're passionate about. And if they stick with it, it might be, it might be something good for them. So I always encourage all their other passions. Wow, wow. So they're following in the footsteps of the master. But you said your daughter is running the sound at your show. She's 10 years old and she's running the sound. Yeah. Uh, for lower end events, I, I try to let her make, you know, um, work the crowd. But when, I'm doing, um, when I'm doing dinner shows, I'll have her do some of it. But if it's, if it's some really big corporate event, it's usually my wife on sound. But they'll have to pay for for the package where my wife gets tied up, but it, it just depends. Um, my wife has, my, we've been, take, my kids have been crashing parties for a living. They have a little bit of a distorted view on life because they see the in, most, we did parties at the plumed horse where they were uh, dishing out caviar and, and my daughter's like, ooh, this is good. <laughs> right on. So, but the juggling thing, right? I mean, flaming torches, isn't that kind of a dangerous thing? Or like, how do you teach a kid to juggle flaming torches? Yeah. Um, I came up with a lot of teaching progressions. I started teaching kids on, uh, I believe, living social. And then I sold a lot of Groupons at one time. So I've been on every marketing platform, even things like triple A deals, Google offers. I wanted to teach my son, and I knew this before he was born, and that's why I had James for the book of James in the Bible and also alliteration, James the Juggler. I thought alliterations are catchy because when I first started, it was Dan Chan, Magic Man, and then I changed right. it to Dan Chan, Master Magician, which is a little less classy, but I mean, a catchy, but a lot more classy. So right. I just wanted to teach him, and I, I taught a lot of other people. I failed teaching them. I mean, I taught a lot of other people. I didn't fail, but it it was not as smooth when you do anything in the beginning. And that's the road as entrepreneur. It's quite bumpy. <laughs> yeah, quite bumpy. Uh, yeah, I'm into that. So uh, did, I, did I read somewhere, or I forget how I heard, your kid's going to be on a television show? James is going to be on a television show? Yes, he will be on national television on um, 
we'll, we'll save that as a secret. I'll tell you later after the podcast is <laughs> over. But uh, we'll, we'll post the show notes there, and you can follow us on uh, um, Instagram, Dan Chan Magic. That's D-A-N-C-H-A-N Magic. Uh, on my Instagram, and I'll, I'll be posting that once he um, appears. And that's going to be around October 6th of this year. I'm going to bring that up, Instagram.com slash Dan Chan Magic. Is that right? Or Dan Chan, Dan Chan Magic Man? What is it? Dan, Dan Chan, Chan Magic. Man Chan Magic. I'm going to bring that up. I bet you you have a fantastic uh, Instagram feed, I'm guessing. Uh, let's see here. Yep, yep, there you are, living your best life. <laughs> wow, very cool pictures out here. I'm definitely going to follow you here on Instagram. Uh, press the follow button. So uh, that's really cool. So, um, you know, you mentioned earlier about picking pockets. Like, do you, you pick pockets? Is that part of the show? Or Yeah, um, I have picked some of the most famous people's pockets. I've picked a Jason Mayhem Miller at the opening of the MMA gym in... I don't know where it was, but it was like out in Pleasanton or East Bay area. They had an MMA gym, and I have a video that got quite a few number of views. Someone filmed it, and I didn't even know it was like a friend filmed it, and then he posted it on YouTube, and it like it like shot up. And I'm I'm stealing his <laughs> watch from him. You know the guy from Bully Beatdown. Right, right. Wow. So, I mean, you're not only in addition to being like a pretty good magician or maybe a great magician, you're actually also like a really good marketer, right? Like, so now, I mean, originally you were doing like word of mouth, but now you're doing a lot of like social media and stuff like that. What, how important is social media and that kind of marketing to your business versus just like word of mouth and your referral network? I really haven't figured out the social media. It it lets it sells people on the fact that you're famous or you're famous in this niche, but I, I don't know how much effectiveness it has, and I'm questioning the effectiveness of it. I've spent fifteen thousand dollars on Google AdWords. I've spent o- over fifteen thousand dollars on Facebook ads, but the problem is, I, I don't really think Facebook is effective. I, I think that Facebook is not an effective way of marketing yourself. There's a couple other things I'm playing around with. Maybe I'm doing it incorrectly, but I'm, I'm just trying things all the time, and I'm trying to hone my story, hone my pitch, and just try everything I can do. How about uh, YouTube? Are you on YouTube at all? Yeah, I have a YouTube channel. A lot of it's slickly edited, a lot of those videos. But um, w- what I have on YouTube it's not consistent. It's not consistent coming out. I'm not always adding new stuff because it's really hard to perfect something. So my next goal is to work with a documentary filmmaker so that uh, they will document what I'm doing, kind of like um, what do you call it? a chef Lynn and Adam Trent. I kind of want to blend those two genres or those two. Chef Lynn is a, a, a prodigy chef who did something, and uh, Adam Trent had a Netflix special. And I want to bring those two worlds together. Right. Well, I mean, I would think that you two would be sort of like a, uh, a natural media for you, a medium for you, um, you know, because, like, so much of what you do is, like, visible, visible in motion, right? Like, I mean, a picture can't catch, you know, like, the surprise and delight in the crowd's face and, and all that like, like a video would. So uh, that's probably going to be more effective platform for you, I think, than Facebook or um, Instagram. But what do I know? I don't, <laughs> I'm no master marketer. So, Dan, what's next for you? It sounds like you're building up a company. I mean, like you mentioned Colin, who you, know, you send out on some gigs. Are you going to be adding uh, 
magicians are going to be like doing some training or like what's what's the future hold for Dan Chan uh, the magician? Uh, I want to pass off a small segment of my skill sets to the guys who are working with me so they can handle the corporate events. Corporate events are fun, but I want to you know, 2.5x what I'm doing now or 10x what I'm doing. So I'm, if you want to hire me, hire me now because I'm going to be, you know, even more expensive once I find investors for a venue. I feel that my show is good enough where people are driving to me consistently. I have a sold-out show yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So um, it, it, it's, it's a very difficult doing a long-running show because I've been doing these since 2013 at least monthly. And now I'm getting to that traction where I'm doing such a good job when people come to me and people are consistently coming. I'm making less money and I'm doing twice as much work, but I find it so much more artistically rewarding. So what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to plant roots, hopefully, when I find uh, the right venue. I'm still doing running pop-ups in San Francisco and Fremont. Uh, but eventually I want to make a huge capital investment and create a magic venue like Magic Castle in the Bay Area. Right, like the Magic Castle in the Bay Area, which I've never been to. What is the Magic Castle exactly? It's just there's like, it's a magician's club. Is that what it is? What, what is the Magic Castle? It is a venue where you can see magic at a bar, in a close-up room, in a parlor room. Parlor meaning I think it's around 40 or 50 people. And then there's like a larger room. So there's multiple places. It's just like every nook and cranny is full of magic. Uh, people like Jason and Alexander from Seinfeld are members. Neil Patrick Harris, who was um, in Doogie, Doogie Howser. Yep. Yes, he was our president. So there's a lot of famous uh, supporters uh, that are members and also a lot of magician, magician members. Uh, when Jason Alexander did his week, it was completely sold out because people wanted to see George Costanza do magic. <laughs> but be sure to bring your jacket and tie because it is one of those places that you dress up. You say, open sesame to an owl, and the bookshelf slides away. Oh, wow. Go into this magical place. Um, there's yeah, also a really great place. Oh, I was going to say, can I bring my kids? I mean, like, is it a place for kids too? Can they come or is it adults only? It is great for kids for brunch on Saturday, Sunday. However, if you want to see really good magic, I would recommend going in the evening, which is 21 and up. Right. Okay. And so you have this Bay Area dinner show, right? Tell me what that's about. Is that just like, how does that work? What is the Bay Area dinner show? Uh, it's had got a lot of iterations. Uh, the Silicon Valley motto of fail forward and fail fast, well, I've adopted that, and I've had acrobats in my show. I've had uh, my friends, the Gentili family, um, the Red Panda acrobats. But right now the iteration is really focused on what I do best, which is the improvisational um, magic that I was talking about where it's autobiographical. And it usually has between 12 or 15 guests per evening. So it's a very intimate dinner show experience where you see some of my favorite close-up routines. And so is this like at a particular restaurant or where is the dinner show held at? Uh, we're doing consistent shows in San Francisco and we're bringing some shows to Fremont now. But are they like at someone's house or what, 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 what's the venue like for dinner show? Uh, right now they're held at K Elements Barbecue, which is on 23rd and Clement Street. We're on the second floor. It's kind of like a little bit more like a nightclub-y atmosphere where there's lots of neon lights above you. So it's, 
it's not nightclub. It's more like you, you have to see pictures from the venue. Go to the Yelp page, K Elements Barbecue, and look at the pictures from the second floor. All right. So it's like a Korean, like a, like a Korean barbecue. Is that what that is? Is that what that stands for? The yeah. K Elements. All right. Downstairs is Korean barbecue, all-you-can-eat. Really wonderful food. I think it's like a little less than 30 bucks for all-you-can-eat. You cook the, your own food. Uh, they they have, have a two-hour limit. And then afterwards, you can go upstairs and see my show. Oh, wow. That sounds like a lot of fun. All right. That's really cool. So that's BayAreaDinnerShow.com, and you can go and, uh, and book that. So, um, well, let me ask you this. I don't know if you talk about this, but like, what, what, if somebody wanted to hire you, you personally, not Colin, to like do like a private party, like you just go on the website or wh- where do you, how does anyone get a hold of you to, to book an event? Yeah, uh, go to danchanmagic.com, take a look at some of the videos. I'll send you some information on both myself and some of my other team members. I ha- use eight magicians regularly. However, I have access to 120 plus magicians that I know that I've booked out. Okay, and so how far away from San, uh, you live in San Francisco now or Fremont now? Where do you live now? I live in Fremont, California, and that's why I'm starting these new dinner shows in Fremont. So how how far away from like Fremont do you go? I mean, like I live in Santa Cruz. Do you come to Santa Cruz, or do you go to Napa, or like how how far do you range normally? I've been to Santa Cruz. I have not been there lately. I do a lot in Napa still, and I do a lot in Atherton, Portola Valley, and Woodside. Those are where most of my clients are now. Right. And do you make people sign like a thing saying like no video recording kind of thing? Or are people free to like record you and, and uh, put them on uh, Instagram stories or whatever? Or what's, what's the policy around that? It's not set. There's certain routines that I am really tight about. I do not let them record. But for the most part, I've realized that there's a lot of people who want to share what they do. So there's certain parts in the show I will encourage people to pull out their phones. And there's certain parts where I will insist that everyone puts it away. So it's very flexible. It's being an entrepreneur. All right, Dan, well, listen, I know you're very busy and you've got an appointment you've got to run out on and like uh, totally blow someone's mind here. But before I let you go, um, how, do, how does everyone like find you on social media? I mean, like your wife has some social media probably and your kids. I mean, like, how, do, how does everyone find you on the internet? Yeah, Cat Clever Creations on Facebook and Instagram. For my son, it would be James Chan, Magician and Juggler. That should pop up. And then for myself, it would be Dan Chan Billionaire's Magician on Facebook and Dan Chan Magic on Instagram. All right. Okay, great. So uh, I'm going to go and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow that on Instagram and on Facebook because uh, it really sounds like you have a lot of uh, fun stuff. And um, I'm going to try and come to one of your, uh, your, your dinner shows. That sounds like a lot of fun. I really enjoy Korean barbecue. And uh, the more you can eat, the better. <laughs> so that sounds like a good night out with the wife. So uh, maybe you'll be seeing uh, my, my uh, surprised face uh, in the audience uh, in the next little while. Absolutely. It would be an absolute pleasure uh, to have you as my guest. All right. Well, Dan, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And um, I'll talk to you again real soon. All right. That wraps up episode number 45 of the Bay to Bay podcast. I really hoped you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Dan Chan. Uh, You know, it's so refreshing to hear somebody who is genuinely excited about their business and excited about the future and just passionate about what they do. You know, here in the Bay Area, I think so many people have just gotten to the mindset like life is a grind. All this is a grind. Like I'm working forever. Uh, I'm slaving away. And here's a guy who said, you know what? I'm done with all that grind. I'm done with all that slaving away. 
I'm going to go and do something that I love to do. And make no bones about it, the guy's worked very, very hard to get where he is. But you know what? When you're doing what you love, it doesn't really feel that much like work. All right. Well, that is it for this episode of the Beta Bay Podcast. But before I wrap it up, I do want to remind you that this episode has been sponsored by thesoldbook.com. That's right. Go to thesoldbook.com to order a free copy of my book, Get It Sold. It's all about how to sell your home quickly, easily, and for the very highest price possible. And check this out. Have a good time doing it. You know, this book is available for purchase on Amazon.com. It is a real book. It's $13 on Amazon. But if you go to thesoldbook.com, you can order a free copy of my book and check it out. If you use the coupon code FREESHIP, that's F-R-E-E-S-H-I-P, you use the coupon code FREESHIP at checkout, I'll even send it to you for free as well. You can't beat that. All right, that is it for this episode. I will have another episode up again before too